0: This is Asked and Answered, questions with Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola.
1: Oh, Labs, it has been so long. I bet you were trying to run away from me as long as you could, but week (laughs) one is here. You can't run away anymore. I have you in my grasp for 30 minutes. I can ask you all the questions I want.
0: Well, I, I, I thought it was because the FCC had come down with that ruling that Steelers fans had suffered enough. Oh, and so they
1: said, how dare you no say that more about that- our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this is an enlightening 30 <laughs> minutes, not a, not a torturous one.
0: Well, maybe for some fans of though. <laughs>
1: Not for me. always get a good uh, time when I sit down with you and ask you some questions from Steelers Nation. Got a ton of questions to get to. I'm sure they've been piling up uh, since the last time we were able to hop on these microphones and do this podcast. So without further ado, let's start with Bill Johnson from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
0: What's the subject of Bill's question?
1: Let me look oh, you, it's the quarterback. So the streak continues. A little hiatus, but you know what? A hitting streak still continues in baseball if you are hurt or you miss a couple games and then come back. So I think we're good there here. I think you this go. still counts. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bill asks hypothetically, if the Steelers do cut Mason Rudolph, what would the cap hit be this year, and would there be any cap hit next year?
0: Um. Okay. Well, it, 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 for those who still don't believe it, um. Cutting Mason Rudolph isn't happening. But, okay, let's just answer the question. Um, Cutting Rudolph uh, would uh, cost the Steelers $1.04 million on their 2022 salary cap. There would be no cap hit in 2023. Now, what Bill and all other Steelers fans need to understand is that the cap hit for cutting someone is the same as the cap hit for trading someone. So, um, trading Mason Rudolph, which seemed to be a popular uh, opinion to have, or uh, for some some weeks, maybe months, um, would cost, would cost the Steelers the same amount of money on their 2022 cap. So, that's not happening either, but just so you know, there is no distinction when it comes to salary cap charges for dead money between cutting a guy and trading a guy. or if the guy retires too that's also uh the same charge
1: i know bill didn't really ask this question but you and i have done training camp reports talked all throughout training camp it was kind of written in stone from the beginning these three quarterbacks were going to stay on the roster so you shouldn't expect mason to be cut at all by the steelers
0: uh it was obvious to me yeah um uh and um but Apparently not to everyone
1: else. <laughs> Kyle Schenkel from Dubois, Pennsylvania. What do you feel would be the best way to divide up playing time between him and Mitch Trubisky?
0: Um, okay. Um, Tuesday of this week, which was uh, September the 6th, uh, Mike Tomlin said out loud what everyone else has kind of known for some time, that Mitch Trubisky was going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, uh with the opener which is September eleventh in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Now um there's not going to be any dividing up playing time. I mean he's picking a starter <laughs> and that guy starts and he's gonna start until he's either injured or until you know Mike Tomlin determines that the Steelers are losing because of the play of the quarterback. You know, not just losing because they can't stop the run, or um, you know they can't run the ball, or what, whatever other reasons might be out there, um, those are not going to be reasons to change the quarterback, right? And so, you know, what Tomlin said uh, this was um, early in the preseason. He said, "I don't want the starter to think he's on a short leash. I want people to play to win and not to play not to lose." whether it's the game or it's a job. I want all of our guys, regardless of role and position, to have a can-do attitude and to bring a spirit to work that is geared toward getting things done as opposed to the opposite. So, um, you know, there's not going to be any packages for Kenny Pickett or any of that (laughs) stuff. That's not happening. It's going to be Trubisky. Uh, The Steelers will ride with him for a while until, as I said, he either gets injured and can't play or – it's determined that he is the reason, his play, the quarterback play, is the reason for the team losing, then a change could be
1: imminent. Oh, I can't believe you're raining on everybody's Trubisky-to-pick-it-flea-flicker trick play package that they want to put in the game. That, that's a touchdown <laughs> and, every day of the week. Come on. Uh,
0: fake slide?
1: Oh, right, now you're giving away too many of the secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Rotondi from Orlando, Florida asks... Do you think Derek Watt will get the opportunity to have more carries this year? I think he would be a better runner or bring in when we to bring in when we need to give Najee Harris a breather.
0: <laughs> um, you know what my stance is on position switch questions. Um, you know, and I, I don't know what Jimmy what what based on what makes Jimmy think Derek Watt would be a good option when Najee Harris needs a breather.
1: I think that's I mean, why you have other running look, backs on the roster. <laughs>
0: Well, in 93 career games, and I hate to ruin this with facts. uh, Derek Watt has 20 carries for 50 yards. (laughs) That's one carry for one yard during his time with the Steelers. I mean, not every player is all things. Watt is a blocking fullback and a special teams player. That's it.
1: Tom McCormick. Tom McCormick from Finley, Ohio. I am interested in knowing if you feel the summer-long quarterback competition was a fair evaluation. Mitch Trubisky started each of the preseason games. So did the other two quarterbacks actually get a fair shot at working with the full set of expected starters?
0: Well, okay. It started um, back in May when the Steelers finally got on the field for the offseason program. Right. And the order was uh, Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett. And Mike Tomlin explained the reasoning behind that. You know, he needed an order because you know it, it just makes practice go more efficiently. You know when you have an order for who gets on the field when, so that um, you know practice is efficient. It moves along. Everything gets done in a timely fashion. Okay, and the reason for that was it was based solely on uh, NFL resume. You know, Trubisky had the most extensive one, so he went first. Mason Rudolph uh, had started. Um, nine eight or nine games in uh, 2019 he was next Kenny Pickett as a rookie he was third okay Chris Oladokun was fourth because Kenny Pickett was a first-round pick Oladokun was a seventh-round pick okay so um, you know you cannot underestimate the importance to an NFL coach of a player having an NFL resume I mean um, and so You know, Mike Tomlin, even in in announcing, finally announcing Trubisky officially as the opening game starter, you know, mentioned the fact that, you know, he took the Bears to um, the playoffs after two seasons. He had a winning record as a starting quarterback in the league. Um, You know, so that matters. That matters to coaches. I mean, it does. And it matters to, to players, veteran players on the team as well. Because, you know, as we learned in 2004, when Tommy Maddox got injured in a second regular season game, and Alan Fanica was brought in to meet the media the day after that, and somebody asked him, are you excited to see what the rookie quarterback can do, <laughs> he lost his mind, you know, in a, in a polite Alan Fanica kind of way. Let me make sure everybody understands that, but... Professional uh, football players—they're not interested in seeing what the rookie can do. They're just <laughs> not. I mean, that's a fan thing, you know. The uh, and the NFL is a profession; it's a business. You know, it's not going to Kennywood where everybody gets a turn on the merry-go-round. It's just not. So, um, the the thing that happened was, you know, Trubisky got. Uh, he, he was he was out on the field first when OTA started, and he never did anything else really to lose the spot. No. I mean, because that's, that's what has to happen for these kinds of changes to make. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, one of only 12 in league history with more than one victory in the Super Bowl. He didn't get his job, and it was Tommy Maddox, for goodness sakes. Let's not, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really a high bar to get over. Um, he didn't get the job until Maddox was injured and, and couldn't play. So, um, you know, that's, that's how this works. And so, um, you know, as I said, it, it's, it, it wasn't going to be a situation where everyone gets a turn to see what they can do. Uh, There was an order, and you either move up uh, based on being a lot better than the people ahead of you, or you move back because you're a lot worse than the people behind you, okay? Um, You have to remember this. In professional sports, fair and equal are not synonyms. (laughs) So it was fair, but not all the guys were treated equally. And, you know, it ended up how it
1: ended up. Geo Calabro from Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey. I was just a young child in the 1970s during the Steelers' Super Bowl wins and wasn't interested in player details at that age. My question is, what made an undersized middle linebacker named Jack Lambert so effective? Besides his intimidating presence, what other attributes made him a Hall of Fame player? Um,
0: okay, Gio, first of all, um, shame on you for, um, you know, Age-shaming us, or age-shaming me.
1: He didn't age-shame me, um, Labs. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you do, you do that enough on your own. <laughs> um, okay, so just a little bit of historical perspective. Okay, The Steelers drafted Lambert on the second round in 1974. Their initial belief was that he would be an uh, outside linebacker in a team's 4-3. And because the current starting outside linebackers at the time were Jack Ham and Andy Russell, Lambert was drafted with, I won't say that he wasn't slotted to be a backup or uh, labeled a backup, but that's how he would have started, you know, his rookie training camp, a backup outside linebacker. So, um, you know, Jack Lambert was smart, instinctive. He was aggressive. He was athletic. But he probably weighed about, yeah, in real life, they listed him at 220, I think, but he was probably around, 204 to 210 in real life and middle linebackers in that era dick butkus for example was 245 ray nitschke was 235 so obviously lambert was undersized to be a middle linebacker but he got thrown in there because henry davis uh the uh, returning starter uh, uh middle linebacker for the steelers who actually made the pro bowl i believe in 72 mm had a neck, a sustained a neck injury, uh, and had to retire from football. Okay, so the, the position was opened. Lambert stepped in, and instead of, you know, and this is a, a tribute to the, the coaching staff at the time, defensive coordinator Bud Carson, and, of course, head coach Chuck Knoll, they didn't try to make Lambert into Budkus or Nitschke because he didn't have that kind of, you know, bulk on him. So they used his other attributes, and deployed him as a uh, middle linebacker who was very adept at coverage. Yes. And then the other thing that made Lambert so effective was Joe Green and Ernie Holmes were in front of him, <laughs> and usually the offensive linemen uh, on the opposing team, uh, you know, the, their interior offensive linemen had their hands full with those two guys. You know, you, you were worried about what Joe Green and Ernie Holmes were going <laughs> to do to you. Um, so Lambert, you know, for, to some degree, and I'm not going to say that, you know, he was lucky and that's why he was, he turned out to be the player he turned out to be. But, um, you know, Joe Green and Ernie Holmes were formidable physical presences there in the middle of the defensive line. And so, you know, Lambert was able to run around, you know, and, and make tackles. And, you know, I remember, uh, and this is just comparing it a little bit. You know, the botched Joe Schobert trade the Steelers yeah. uh, attempted last year, uh, at the start of last year, like a, a, a year ago on August, one of the first things Joe Sh- Shobert said was, I can't wait to play behind these defensive linemen. And so that's pretty much a big part of,
1: Absolutely. you know,
0: an undersized guy trying to play linebacker in the NFL. Lambert was an undersized guy. He had two outstanding defensive tackles in front of him uh and that helped him become the player that he was he ended up being
1: and you would really say that lambert was so ahead of his time as far as the pass coverage at that linebacker oh, position is concerned absolutely. the league wasn't a passing league back then but he i think he would have been just fine in today's league covering tight ends covering running backs he would have been phenomenal at it
0: well and the and, you know, Bud Carson kind of was the inventor of the what is now known as the Tampa 2, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the uh, cover 2 zone. And the, the hole in the cover 2 zone was always the area um, behind the linebackers but in front of the deep safeties in the middle of the field there. And that's where offenses would attack. But Lambert was so adept, he was so athletic and quick that he got deeper on his drops than any other linebackers in the league and that opening when you were playing the Steelers was not as big uh, as the opening on some other teams and then let's not forget what also was going on one Mississippi to Mississippi <laughs> you better throw the ball or you're going to be on your back Mississippi so um, you know it, it 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 worked out to the degree that you know the Steelers became a dominant defense
1: Rafael Garcia from Ciudad de Mexico Mexico Who else was interviewed by the Steelers before they hired Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin?
0: Okay. In both coaching searches, they narrowed it down to four finalists. Uh, Before hiring Bill Cowher, uh, the other three finalists were Joe Green, Kevin Gilbride, and Dave Wonstadt. Wow. In in 07, uh, before hiring Mike Tomlin, the other three finalists were Ken Wisenhunt, Ron Rivera, and Russ Grimm
1: pretty uh big names in that finalists in 1992 for the uh Bill Cowher job. I mean, Mean Joe and Dave Wonstadt. I didn't know, I did not know that those two were that close to being the Steelers head coach.
0: Uh actually, it it was well the, you know, those were the four finalists. Right. The choice was Cowher or Wonstadt. Um in 07, you know, I mentioned the four finalists. Um the uh, the the choice came between Grimm and Tomlin. And what a lot of people don't realize uh, or don't care to believe is that Mike Tomlin was not a Rooney Rule um, interviewee because the Steelers uh, met the terms of the Rooney Rule when they interviewed Ron Rivera. That's right, uh, and he was the first. He was the first interview, um, so Mike Tomlin was not a, a Rooney Rule candidate.
1: And our final question today from Kent Webb in Greensboro, North Carolina, comes full circle by asking about the quarterbacks again. Why are the Steelers still holding on to Mason Rudolph? I thought it was understood he is not the guy going forward, so why not trade him and get something for him while the getting is good?
0: Um, you know, I'm going I'm to assume that um... – you know, Kent is not too young to remember 2019, since it's only 2022, <laughs> and this question doesn't sound like it was, you know, written by a three-year-old. So, um, if you remember 2019, and allow me to refresh your memory anyway, please do. So, so the Steelers, um, one day after the 2019 season opens, the Steelers decide they're going to uh, trade Joshua Dobbs to get uh, something for him while the getting his good. They send him to Jacksonville to get a fifth-round pick back. They elevate second-year pro Mason Rudolph uh, to Ben's backup. Um, And then, um, you know, and Mason Rudolph as a rookie, let me just remind everyone, he had not taken a snap as a rookie. Right. He was inactive the entire season because it was Ben and Landry Jones, I think. That's right. Uh, No. No? No. No, it was still a different backup in eighteen. I'd have to look it up, but Mason Rudolph was inactive his entire rookie year. Okay, so, um, okay, so the Steelers go into the season with Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph as his backup. Six quarters into the regular season, Ben's elbow is done for the year. He needs major surgery on it. So now Mason Rudolph, who has not played at all yet in the league, the Steelers got to find another quarterback. So they go duck, honey. <laughs> and how did that turn out? You know, Devlin Hodges um, was not drafted at all. Okay, seven rounds, 250 whatever players get drafted. He was undrafted. Then after the draft, all teams – sign about 10 to 15 undrafted uh, rookie free agents. He was not signed there either. So you figure out, you know, 250, 260, whatever it is, draft picks. Then you take 10 to, 10 to 15, let's just go with 12, since it's somewhere in between. 12 times 32 more players, and this guy's still not signed by anyone. Okay, so are you getting the message about how low on the list you know, we're, we're talking about. So uh, Devlin Hodges comes to this uh, first exposure to the Steelers is as a tryout quarterback, because you got to have somebody, you know, to run practice during rookie mini camp. And um, even though he had not taken a snap, um, Mason Rudolph was not eligible. Right. The, The rules are so weird. Okay. So, you know, You're going, you end up going, you know, your third game of the season, um, your guy who's one snap away from being your starting quarterback is a tryout guy. Mm. Not good. So they got something for Dobbs. Um, they ended up having to start Hodges in six regular season games. Um, and I don't know that, you know, they, they ended up being one game out of the finishing one game out of the playoffs. And I just don't think they want to do that again. So, you know, this idea of getting something for Rudolph. Don't forget, this is the last year of his contract. So, what what is a team going to give you for a quarterback who you, a team is probably not trading for Mason Rudolph for him to be the starter? Okay, so a team is going to uh, try and trade for a guy who's going to be a backup, who then is going to be unrestricted to free agent <laughs> next March. So what you're talking about is some conditional seventh round pick or something, right? Okay, so you know you're trying to get something for him. I don't think that's getting anything for him because if the you take Mason Rudolph off this depth chart, because Chris Oladokun has already gone to the Chiefs practice squad. So, but even with that, you you go into the season with Pickett, Trubisky, and let's just pretend you know they get Oladokun back for whatever reason. So, then you have an injury. So now you're uh you're, court, you're one play away from starting a late 7th round pick at quarterback again with a defense that's the highest paid unit in the league. You know, so once again, um you you're probably losing games because uh of quarterback play. Right. Now, what I think is a better move is you keep Mason Rudolph, which they're doing. Um, so let's just pretend he's not a big cap hit, $3 million cap cap friendly deal this year. You keep him for the season, costs you $3 million on your salary cap, and Kenny Pickett uh, is even less than that because he's a rookie. Uh, and so then let's just pretend Mason Rudolph leaves as an unrestricted free agent. Well, then he goes into the compensatory pick pool, and I'll bet you're going to get more than a seventh-round pick if Mason Rudolph signs with another team. So you're getting more for him, Mason Rudolph, by him I mean, by keeping him this year and losing him as an unrestricted free agent than you would get for him trying to trade him now with him going into the final year of his contract.
1: By the way, I used the uh, magical powers of Google to figure out what the 2018 roster looked like a quarterback. Josh Dobbs was actually the backup quarterback on the Steelers roster oh, okay. that year. Mason Rudolph okay. wasn't active most of the season. Okay, well there you go. Alright, well so, that, that... If they would have had Josh Dobbs in 2019, I think they win one more game and get into the playoffs as opposed to going duck hunting.
0: Uh, you know, I got I got no way to prove that you're right but you don't have a delorean Sure, sounds pretty (laughs) sure sounds pretty good to me yeah mine doesn't get up to i can't get up to the gigawatts Uh, you
1: you can only get to 85 miles per hour you need to get to 88 uh it's a classic problem Get it into the shop. Doc yep. will fix that for you. That'll do it for this edition <laughs> of Asked and Answered. It's always a pleasure to fire off your questions, Steelers Nation, and have Labs answer them. So get your questions in for next week. Labs, I'll be waiting with bated breath as we keep doing this week to week. Regular thing again every Wednesday you'll be hearing Asked and Answered. Steelers-Bangles this Sunday at Paycore Stadium in Cincinnati. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman, and this has been Asked and Answered.